Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick. It's my great pleasure to welcome regular weekly co-host for What's Making News, Russell Hanby. How are you, Russell? I'm well, thank you. And you're well too, are you? I'm as well as you are, I hope, if that's very good. Yes, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it is, my friend. Now, we've got a big week this week. It's um, Figures are coming out of New South Wales on coronavirus that are just depressing and distressing, and uh, we're hoping they get on top of that soon. And We've got our own problems here in Victoria, haven't we? That's right. On Thursday, yesterday, we had 80, didn't we? 80 cases. And, uh, and the unfortunate part of it is that half of them are sort of out and about in the community. That's the worry, isn't it? It is the worry. And we've got a lot of issues to deal with in that one. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get on top of this Delta virus sooner rather than later. But everybody's been saying that for weeks now. And... Uh, we need to get vaccinated, but we've talked about that many times. We'll get on with, in fact, we'll talk about that with the first topic, the age. Year 12 students exam jab target. The Andrews government has set a target to vaccinate every Victorian Year 12 student before exams start in six weeks and to give a first dose to every child age 12 or older by year's end. Ambitious plan? It is an ambitious plan, isn't it? Yes, um, Education Minister James Malone wanted to senior students fully vaccinated by October the 4th. That's the start of their exams. And uh, the Victorian government uh, are going to ask the Commonwealth for more vaccine supply. There are no details yet as to how, how it could be expedited, this uh, mass vaccination. But um, I did hear uh, the Premier saying today that they might make priority lanes a drive-through for uh, for the students. Um also, VCE teachers who will have to supervise the exams, they're encouraged to get vaccinated as well. Uh, this week, Pfizer was available for 16 to 39-year-olds, and um, so uh, they're hoping, I think, that the students would take that up. Yes. Are they going to make it compulsory? Because what happens if students don't want to be vaccinated? Well, they've always said it's not going to be compulsory, didn't they? Uh, yeah. And so uh, I don't know. I, I suppose if the majority get uh, vaccinated, I don't think they're going to be precluded from uh, their exams unless they're going to make special arrangements. I don't know. Mm, and, um, I mean, I don't know. What do you do there? I mean, they're going to sit for the exams. It's not compulsory for adults mainly, is it? No. So it may not be. Uh, I don't know. That's, that is another side of it, isn't it? And the booking line for these uh Pfizer's was overwhelmed this week, apparently. Many waited 12 hours before they could even get on. Yeah, so um, the aim's very worthy. The logistics, the devil's in the detail because um, they don't have that much time to get that done when there's an awful lot of other people out there getting in queues to get vaccinated, uh, Russell. That's right. Um, and they're talking down the track of all students uh, being done. And I think in schools, like uh, school by school, but uh, that's miles off, I think, before that'll happen. Mm, it's one of those things, isn't it? The the actual rollout in so many ways has been what's stuttering and stumbling along for a long, long time. Uh, I'm always intrigued when we hear we're going to ramp things up. And, and, and to some extent that's happening, uh, but um, ramping it up to certain levels, uh, really high levels, does seem, um, it, it, well, I hope it's not pie in the sky, Russell. No, indeed, uh, but uh, it's interesting that um, about a third of the recent cases are actually children, many under nine, but then the world studies that have shown that it, it is still comparatively mild, even the Delta, in children, and they're 
and they're also more protected, uh, the young ones, when adults around them have been vaccinated, which uh, obviously makes sense, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, anyway, um, and of course, the Year 12 students have had a tough enough year already, haven't they? Uh, last year's ones did, these ones too, the stop-start year, the fear of That's getting right. COVID, etc., etc. It's and of course, uh, been hard for yeah, them. And of course, this year's cohort were in year 11, and that's when the VCE started, of course, the course, usually. And uh, they missed out on such a lot last year, so they've actually had two years at it, haven't they? Yes, so we're hearing more and more reports that uh, their well-being and mental health um, is, is like everybody's, is, is under the pump and um, not a good time when you've got your exam. So it's a worthy goal. Let's hope that uh, the government can achieve it. That's right. I mean, when you read the headlines about that, you think, how on earth are they going to do that? Don't you? You wonder what the detail is. Yeah, the devil's in the detail. Now, the next one's a, a one I thought you'd, you'd, you'd like. Yes, uh, heritage on the nose, says the Herald Sun. The happy little Vegemitas. What about smelly little ones? The distinctive smell of the iconic yeast spread has been recognised as having important heritage value for a Port Melbourne factory. And uh, Mel- um, Melbourne City Council feared that if the odour was officially designated as significant, it could affect the site's future development, and they don't want that stopped. So uh, the Vegemite has been produced at the Fisherman's Bends or Port Melbourne since the 1920s, and the former craft factory on the site received approval for heritage protection. And now, the council's heritage consultant and the National Trust, they wanted the product smell to be included as significant, but the council are very wary of that, and they've only included a reference to the smell, as they reckon if they made it uh, significant, it could stop future development. Other countries like Japan and France, they're protected areas of fragrant scenery, etc., too. But uh, so that's why they're not uh, classifying the smell as significant. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that they should – you don't think of anything else. You think of the building and what it makes and uh, for heritage listing. But, of course, there are some iconic smells of it. Uh, and this is a, a nice one, I guess, a yeast smell that they want to keep as part of the uh, the heritage. Yes, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Fisherman's Bend, too. Why is it called Fisherman's Bend? Uh, well, it's that part of it's just been, it's, it's always been a wasteland, hasn't it? Past Port Melbourne, they're talking of developing it now, and even having the train line go through to it. Uh, I suppose logically, it's someone where fishermen fished. Do you think? Yes, absolutely. I know. <laughs> do you like Vegemite? Yes, I like it in small amounts. Like I find if it's too concentrated or too much on, it's a, a bit uh, very heavy, salty taste. But yeah, I quite like it. Do you? Yeah, I'm used to it. It's a bit salty at times. You don't want too much on, but uh, on a bit of toast, it's always yeah. something I think we're so used to having. And if you have it with uh, cheese, and I've even quite liked toast and uh, Vegemite and avocado. Uh, you know, smashed, smashed with avocado has got a nice taste too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't mind avocado. Not as keen on it as Vegemite. Yeah, what about avocado and Vegemite sandwich? You had one of them? Um, no, I don't think so. I've had a toasted sandwich like that, but. Uh, You'd actually have Vegemite with many. Uh, I remember back in the fifties, they brought out a little book of all the different mixtures you could do for, like salads and uh, even uh, scrambled eggs and uh, or curried egg and Vegemite and all these interesting tastes. And of course, it just gives that salty tang, doesn't it? 
It does. It does give it that salty tang. Now, Russell, for our kids' sake, interesting. This is this has created quite a bit of conversation. Leading medicalists in the Herald Sun, the leading medical experts are calling on the federal government to develop a plan to reopen schools, warning the lockdowns are harming children's development and their mental health and well-being. What do you make of that point? Yeah, so a lot of people are coming out saying, well, if anything else, if nothing else happens, get the kids back to school. The Royal Australian or Royal Australasian College of Physicians, that's calling for a roadmap to prioritise face-to-face learning for students and includes priority vaccines for all school staff. Now, the uh, the president, the RACP president, Professor John Wilson, said the impacts of school closures come at a great cost to children's development and their mental and physical well-being especially noticeable for children from lower socioeconomic backgrounds or with disabilities and if exposed to or if exposed to uh, seeing family violence. Um, And so what they do, they're advocating a national guidelines for the whole country to get kids back to school following certain conditions. They want ventilation, uh, HEPA filters, staggered school starts, physical distancing and masks for certain age groups. But uh, I think the priority is they want the kids back uh, very quickly rather than later. Absolutely, they certainly do. What about the issue? Because it's a conundrum. Delta does hit uh, children more than um, the the earlier one did. Uh, So if kids are not vaccinated and they're in classrooms, aren't they... A, high, a probability of a higher probability of catching it or spreading it. You think so, wouldn't you? Because the the very young ones can't be vaccinated, can they? At the moment, anyway, they are making noises about six to twelve in the next bracket, but uh, uh, that'll be a long way off. Um, I suppose if if all the teachers are vaccinated, uh, they might be safe, but it doesn't stop other kids spreading it and then it goes from there, doesn't it? Yes, and then you'll end up being closed down again for longer. Mm -hmm. It's a real conundrum. Yeah, we want them hand, On the other hand, you can't go for two or three years, can you, like this with uh, our kids going to school. So it is an issue, isn't it? Oh, it is. uh, It's a real dilemma. In New South Wales, well, yes, they had over a 1,000 cases on the Thursday, and I think I heard that uh, Gladys is thinking of trying to get kids back to school very soon, despite this. So there are different ways of looking at it, aren't there? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it is. It's, it's one of those ones where we want them back, um, we need them back for their own well-being and also just for education. But on the other hand, we've got this... Um, lag in, in I guess it has been research on the impacts of the uh, vaccinations uh, on children and also, well, they're not getting vaccinated yet. No, and uh, th- I think they're still uh, looking at the research and testing about very young children and the uh, viability or safety of the vaccines, but uh, that will be the next group. They're looking at 12 plus at the moment, aren't they, I think? and. Mm. Uh, but it is an issue, and as I said, more children are getting Delta strain than uh, than before. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've certainly got ourselves an issue there. When you take a short break, Russell, can you hold the line? Yes. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick, and we're in the middle of What's Making News with Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. Now, you've got the, um, you got the, the, the Rolling Stones uh, gig. Tell us That's about right. it. Yeah, big news this week uh, from The Age. Drum roll, please, for the legacy of Watts. 
Uh, Michael Dwyer, a reporter, I guess, says, my lasting memory of Charlie Watts is from Rod Laver Arena, the night the Stones last played in Melbourne in November 2014. Uh, there was no support act. I was uh, struck by these ultimate consummate rock and roll pros, how they had to hit the deck cold and work like ravenous teenagers to slap us from our midweek torpor. <laughs> and uh, so the... Um, of course, we, we know the drummer, Charlie Watts, died the other day. And uh, I suppose he's known for his uh, he's sort of different to the most of the rockers and the rollers of the day and the drummers. Uh, there was no fuss or flamboyancy about him. And the other thing was his, his main love, apart from the group, was jazz, wasn't it, in the early days? Yes, yes. Look, look, I never got to see them and I, I, I grew to really admire them as uh, as the as the decades rolled on and... Um, you sort of think these people go on forever, and of course, sadly, they, they don't. And Charlie Watts, Charlie Watts, um, he has to be recognised as one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all time, um, because he had a very unique way of playing the drums, which uh, he said anybody could do, but of course they couldn't. And it was the unique way that he uh, he played his four-piece traditional jazz kit, uh, the inspirational two crash and a ride cymbals, high tom and floor tom, and he never deviated from that, and that's not been well replicated by many people. Well, he's been highly praised by musicians of all genres, hasn't he, uh, for his uh, his efforts there? Yes, and and I was listening to um, I was listening to Paul McCartney the other day, and and it, it's so true. He said he said uh, Charlie Charlie was the rock, if you like, um, of the Rolling Stones, because he was the the more conservative appearing one, the more measured one. He wasn't out there, you know, flamboyantly doing this and dressing this way and that way. And, and he led a very, what appeared to be, conservative life. He married his, his wife at, back in 1964 and uh, was proud of the fact that they stayed together to the end. Um, and uh, and uh, he, while he had his, his battles with drugs, he wasn't, you know, the wild child of rock and roll that so many others and in his own band were no and uh, he's one as you say he's one of the few rock and rollers of the early years that uh, stuck with their one marriage uh, didn't happen a lot did it no where... no no and uh, he always preferred he, he said he never loved being on tour he would always have preferred being home with his his family and uh, his farm and his animals he so so he wasn't really from that angle you know the traditional type of um rock and roll um band player he and he probably it's probably his his um settled personality and um calmness which probably got the rolling stones through in many times <laughs> You, you never know. But, yes, no, look, an iconic band and um, oh, there goes one now. They'll never be the same again. They'll probably replace him with somebody for something, but uh, you don't replace the originals. I always like Gimme Shelter 1969. To me, that has to be one of the greatest of rock songs, Gimme Shelter. Oh, you must be yeah. aware of that one. Yeah, well, that's right. And, of course, we all know like the obvious one's satisfaction, isn't it? But that's uh, probably been done to death, do you think? You know? um, Painted Black, a lot of them are, you know. Um, Painted Black's another one of their songs from 66. That was an iconic song. But, uh, no, look, um, Charlie Watts leaves behind a great legacy and uh, of rock and roll 
music that um, probably never be equalled. And I think generations ahead of us will get pleasure from what he's done too. And it is a sad day from that perspective. And as I said, he, was, he used to love jazz too. In fact, some of his drum kits uh, were just like the jazz drummer's mm. kit, you know, mm. a couple of drums and a snare drum and that. And, uh, and he, I think Gene Krupa and those early jazzers were, were his uh, idols too in the early days. So and and he, you, liked, he was very... you liked jazz, didn't you? Well, yeah, well, I got to know with Tommy Carter. I've had 20 yeah. years with, so I got to know jazz, which I wasn't really that knowledgeable about uh, prior to that, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did, 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 um, is Tommy still playing music or is he completely retired now? No, I think he's completely retired now in a, a, a nursing home in Mornington Way. He's, he's been there for some years. He's an iconic um, person around the Melbourne jazz scene uh, over many decades, Tommy, wasn't he? Great, great yes. personality too. That's right. The uh, pick around the fifties when the bands used to go playing at weddings. Uh, he used to love the Mornington Peninsula or down the down the Orchard Sorrento area. And for many years, uh, his family band was playing at the Baxter Tavern on a on a Sunday for years and years. Years and years and years. And he's a great fellow, and we wish him all the best. The I think, odds, sorry, I was going to say I think he's about ninety four now. He must be getting close to that. But uh, I rang uh, the other day to see how he was getting on. He's still managing quite well. Uh, he's uh, you know losing a bit of his memory, but uh, a lot of people do at that age, don't they? They do, they do, and we certainly we certainly have fond memories of him. The odd spot, Russell, getting to that, that's an interesting one this week. Yes, uh, uh, Sri, uh, Sri Lanka is banning elephant riders from drinking on the job under new animal protection laws. The changes require domestic elephants their own identity cards and include strict welfare regulations for working elephants. These include a daily two-and-a-half-hour bath for each creature and a daily limit of four hours work hauling logs. Baby elephants can no longer be separated from their mothers. Now, the changes follow rising complaints about ill-treatment of the endangered species. We can only say that's uh, rather, I don't know if it's odd, but it's certainly good. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too, yes. Uh, I think some of them were, were dealt with a bit cruelly, don't you, uh, in, in some of these places? So, so mm. it's a, a step Exploited. forward for... Looking after the elephants, yes. Well, they're certainly looked after well now. Um, that's a good thing. Of course, there are no ID cards, welfare regulations. Uh, some people might say they got it better than, than themselves. <laughs> that might be the odd part of it. But, no, that's actually quite welcome and a good one to, um, a good one to put together. Well, that's it for uh, what's making news for this week. Listeners, do take care. Stay safe. And, uh, Russell, um, uh, look after yourself. Thanks, Henry, and we'll catch up in uh, next week. Absolutely.